If you've been here, listen online the past few weeks, you've heard me explain that I'm doing something a little different with this message series. And whereas the rest of the world gave Christmas some special attention for a few weeks leading up to December 25th and then quickly packed it away. And well, when they did that, we began unpacking the message of Christmas. And I'm doing so intentionally so that we keep God and the glorious gift of his son, Jesus Christ, in front of our minds. So that when the world starts considering him again, as Easter approaches, we're already in tune. We've already studied and we're ready for the message of grace. And for the past two Sundays and the last Sunday in particular, we talked about why Jesus came and what he accomplished on earth. And I want to remind you of the good news that this list of wonderful things has done with you in mind. And he continues to accomplish these things still today. And that's right, even today, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, interceding on your behalf, working to help you face your over and overcome your struggles and to help you mature in your faith and all that that entails. And the magnificence magnificence of the Christmas message is that Jesus came for you, okay? Not to condemn you, but to save you. Not to rule you, but to serve you. Not to constrain you, but to free you. To provide freedom, the real freedom. And that began with a single, simple, beautiful event, and that was the birth of a baby. What an impact that made in the world, an effect that would provide hope and change lives and souls for an eternity. And this week's message titled Ground Zero, and certainly that term has become synonymous with the events of 9-11, and one definition does make it the location of a bomber detonation, but, but its other meaning stems from the definition that a ground zero is a starting point or a base for some activity. And I believe we can all agree that ground zero for our faith walk and our journey to salvation began at the manger. And the Bible tells us that his entrance in this world was not a showy, awe-inspiring, earth-shaking event. But to those few whom God revealed the coming of the Savior, it really was. From Isaiah 9, 6. For, uh, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Peace, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now the prophet Isaiah knew the impact that this birth would have. Listen again to some of the names and descriptions of this infant child. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And I thought I gave good names to my kids. And that was fantastic. But, but God announced the birth with grandeur to the shepherds, right? But the rest of the world went relatively unaware while the angels were coming and speaking to them. And then Jesus spent about 30 years in this world with the last several of them dedicated to teaching and leading people into a better understanding of his Father, which is really our Heavenly Father as well. And this, of course, made an impact. There are also many places in the areas surrounding Israel where you can be in the places where Jesus walked. You can literally stand at the location where the events of the Bible took place, places of impact. Jesus made an impact as he first told his own death, and of course, he made an impact when he gave up his life on the cross and then arose from the dead ascending in heaven. But not before saying these words found in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He says, I give peace, a real peace. And he continued in John 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Peace. We use that word around Christmas, don't we? Love, joy, peace. It's just 
It's on things. It's written around places. But what a service we do to others if we wish them these wonderful words of blessing just once a year. On any given Sunday, you can hear the need for peace in our prayer requests. And along with thanks, they are the core of the words we lift up to Jesus and to God. Thank you and bring us peace. Jesus came to provide a means of peace because he has overcome the world. He has defeated death. And my personal favorite, he destroyed Satan's plans. Peace isn't about what Jesus can do. Okay? You don't have to have peace because Jesus can do this. It's about recognizing and having faith in what Jesus already did. You can have peace because Jesus already accomplished that with his birth and on the cross. And the good news, again, he continues to do that still today. Now, when Jesus appeared to his disciples after his death and resurrection, listen to the first words he spoke. This is from Luke 24, 36 and 7. It says, as they were talking about these things, and this is after Mary had come back and said, We've, I've seen him. Not only is he gone, but I've, I've seen and talked to Jesus. And, and these disciples are talking about these things. And it said, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. Have you ever tried to not startle someone by saying, Don't let me scare you? It doesn't work, you know. He then gives these instructions before he parts them. It says Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. You've heard this before, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then his words of peace. He goes on, he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In these last two verses of Matthew, Jesus instructs his disciples to carry on the work that he had begun. They are to go throughout the world, sharing the word of God to all nations and spreading the truth of his good works so that everyone may know. This last phrase, I am with you always to the end of the age, can be tremendously comforting to God's people because no matter where he leads you, you will never have to doubt that his presence is with you. And as we read through the books of the New Testament, there are countless examples of impacts being made in lives. If asked, it's likely that you could share a story of an impact made in your life in the name of Jesus, even if that person didn't mention Jesus' name at all. Perhaps it's just as likely you made an impact in the life of someone in the name of Jesus. And your name can be counted among the ground zero moments in the lives around you. So this brings me back to this week's topic. As you can see on the background side, there's a picture of some water, perhaps the calm surface of lake, and there must be some light rainfall because you can see the individual impacts of the drops and, and the slight ripple of tiny waves as they radiate out across the water. And when I began working on this message a few weeks ago, I, I gathered several different slides to consider, but this one resonated with me. You know, the relative calm of the water and the individual impacts that disrupt, they don't destroy, but they kind of disrupt that surface. And how many there are, a lot of ground zero moments, a lot of moments of impact that are influencing the things around it. And Jesus certainly made an impact. He also, with his final words to his followers, said, now go, have an impact too, make an impact too. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he did say go. He said go, go make disciples of nations, go. Go and preach the gospel. Go make more followers by sharing the word of God. This week I want you to take one thing away from this message, and I really want you to get more than one thing, but one prevailing point, you must make an impact in the world for, kingdom, for the kingdom's sake. And I'm going to share some scripture with you this morning about why you should and some general how. But the specific answer to how you should is very personal and very unique to you. 
if you need someone help, some help or direction in determining how, let's talk sometime this week. But God has wired you a specific way. And these things that make you unique, even if they seem like, what are they for? Why am I good at this? God can use you. There was, there's a story of a person who head up a, a volunteer ministry at a church. And so the lady came up and said, I really want to help. And she and he, and he said, okay, what, what do you enjoy doing? What do you think you're good at? And he goes, well, I can't sing. And I can't talk. And, and she said, and he goes, well, can, can you do this? She said, yeah. And he goes, well, then you can hand out the bulletin. Then there's a place for every skill. <laughs> so. But listen again to, to this week's scripture, remember, from 2 Corinthians. It says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. What a powerful word, implore you. Be reconciled to God. And when we are advised to be reconciled to God, it doesn't mean get right with him. I mean, we need to be right with God. But it means to align yourself with him and his plan. Get on the same path, this narrow path, but this well-defined path. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You want to know what your purpose in life is? Ask the maker. He's got a purpose for you. And when a person is reconciled with God, they are performing <coughs> the good works that God prepared for them. That's what it means to be reconciled with God. And 1 Peter 4, 10, 11 explains it this way. Each of you should use whatever gift you receive to serve others, right? As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. You are called to make an impact. As Matthew 5 says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt becomes tasteless, how good can it be salty or how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And you're likely familiar with this portion of that same message. It says, you are the light of the world, right? A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Next week's message, which is where the light gets in, you can imagine we're going to be talking about this part of the scripture a little more in depth. Now I realize it's difficult to muster the courage to make an impact, especially when your words... Uh, especially with your words, if you don't believe you're gifted in a particular way. And guess what? You're not alone. The Apostle Paul, and, and you guys know what I think of him. I have enormous respect for the Apostle Paul and his letters and, and the wisdom that came from this man that was not a good person. Okay, But he, but he figured it out with God's help and he, he made an impact. And from 1 Corinthians 1.17, it says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. We're not called to do all things and be all things to all people, but God has given you a specific set of talents and gifts. And for, for Paul, it was to preach. He says, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence. huh? But he goes on and says, lest the cross be emptied of its power. He's saying, I'm such not a good speaker that God is going to give me the power and anything I say that makes any kind of sense, glory to God for straightening my words out. That's what he's saying. Listen to this again. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross be emptied of its power. Okay? Anybody feel like that? Like, I don't know I can do this, but when you do it, you're just amazed. I got those words out. I had the courage to talk to that person. I served in a way that I had never thought about serving before, and it felt great. 
Glory to God. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul writes, follow my examples. I follow the example of Christ. See, Paul didn't have it all figured out on his own. He had to have a role model, an example. And that same example role model is the same one we use today. And that's the life of Jesus Christ. And thankful because there are people like Paul back then and people in our world today that follow the example of Christ, we have additional examples to follow. So Paul's saying, don't do it like I do it just because I did it. He says, follow my example as I follow Christ. Be an imitator of Christ. And Moses, right? We all know the story of Moses, this great leader of, the, of God's people out of Egypt and in the promised land. Listen to what he says in Exodus 3.11. It says, but God said to Moses, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? God had a plan for Moses that he said, no, nah, you got the wrong guy. But God knew exactly what he was doing. And the prophet Isaiah says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. That should be the words we exclaim when we get one of those nudges to do something. Here I am, send me. Who needs to go out in the community and make a difference? Here I am, send me. Who needs to go approach that person and talk to them? with honesty and truth. Send me. Right? It's a special kind of boldness, not a, not a confidence in oneself. Rather, it's a confidence in God. Okay? The depth of the impact that you can make is directly related to the depth of the belief you hold. And then you multiply that by God's power in the situation. And I wrote that down, and I said, that sounds like a wordy math problem, some sort of funky equation. It's weird. I wouldn't even diagram it. But if you think about it, God will use you whether you want him to or not. Whether you tell him to or whether he does, God's going to use you in your situation. How many people have had their lives impacted by someone not godly or not acting in a godly way, but God has worked through them? The story how I ended up, ended up, how I am in my marriage <laughs> and in this church is a testament to God using things that I was praying against at the time. And he used all this stuff for good, not good things, but stuff for good. So he's saying, whether or not you're aware, but the influence it has on others is magnified when you reconcile your life with his. When you say, God use me, and God uses you, and say, I'm being used, and you give glory to him, it's that much more powerful. You don't have to do that, but you're going to reap the benefits of that blessing when you do. And even Paul, this apostle that, that I speak so fondly of, he questioned his own eloquence. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. And remember, Jesus' followers were the Jews and the Gentiles were the, the non-believers. He's saying, this isn't just for these people, it's for everybody. And he says, I'm not ashamed of that because it's God that's, that's doing this. And he later he wrote a letter to Timothy, one of his his, um, someone who was studying under him that went ahead of him. I'm trying to think of a better word for that. But he says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of the truth. Now, do you remember this morning's scripture? It said, you are Christ's ambassador. Ambassador for the Savior of the world. Now, that's an impressive title. That's a good job, guys. That's an amazing title I have in your business card. I am the ambassador for the Savior of the world. James 5.20, we find these words. And this is a place of the importance. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now, is that an important job or what? Romans 10 goes on to explain a little further the importance. 
It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then it goes on to explain how that happens. How then can they call on the one that they, they have not believed in? How can I call on God if I don't believe in him? And how can they believe if, if no one's told me about them? And how can I be told about them if there's no one to preach? And it says, as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's an impact you can make. The people that are lost in the world, is it because they don't believe? Is it because they haven't heard? Has someone even talked to them about it? So let's be the church of beautiful feet. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> but let's make a difference in the way that, that we individually impact the life for the Heavenly Father. Okay? So that he continually smiles on this congregation and the people in this community and says, well done, guys. Well done. I'm using you and you're being well used. Jesus knew this is what the world needed. That's why he established the church. In Matthew 9, 37, we find these words. It says, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, Jesus loved to speak in parables and symbolism. So he's not saying, time to plant soybeans and get more people out there. He's saying, the harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of work to be done in this, for the sake of the kingdom. And there are not a lot of people to do it. He said, let's pray that the Lord sends them out. And so we're praying. This is one of those risky prayers. God, send me. Send me. And Golden Beach Community Church is ground zero for making a difference in the community. It has been for 40 years. And with God's continued blessing and, and support of the community, it will be for another 40 years plus. It's not just a place that sends people out in the world to minister and serve. It does that. But it's also home base, right? Where these efforts are, are established and, and deepened and affirmed. It's where friendship and love and support and fellowship exist. And this is what God intends for a church. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, And let us consider how to stir one up another to love and good works. Right? We encourage each other. Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So let's stir each other up. Let's find ways to keep each other encouraged because that's a ministry too, right? And, when let's, and then we, and let's not stop doing it. Let's keep it up. In Galatians 6, 9, again, words from Paul. And let us not grow weary of doing good before in due season we will reap if we do not give up. It's a lot of work to hold on to faith in the world like we live. In it. It's a lot of work to go out and try to be a good example and, and talk to people about God when God may not be politically collect or, or, or cool anymore. But at the same time, don't grow tired of doing what's right. Always do what's right. And the Bible promises, this is a promise, for in due season you will reap if you do not give up. Friends, if you need a spiritual recharge, if you need a place to connect with friends and neighbors and seek God in the community, this is your place. If you need help with any of these questions we've discussed this morning or if it led to some new ones for you, this is your place, and I want to hear from you. Let's work together as we seek God's will in our lives and in our community. And I just want to leave you with one last verse to consider. It's from 1 Corinthians 13.2. It says, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains but I do not have love, I am nothing. Friends, let's let God's love be our motivation. Let's pray. Father God, 
you came and you made a huge impact on the world. And with the great impact of your leaving this world, you gave us one commandment. You said, go and make disciples of all nations and preach the good news throughout the kingdom, throughout the world. God, help us to make an impact. We are already making an impact. The way society is wired, we are going to influence people around us, but let us do it in a way that is good and pleasing to you. God, give us confidence, not just in ourselves, but in you and in your word. The courage to cross a room, to have a, a conversation about good news, to have a conversation about some truth that may need to be shared. Father God, we ask your guidance in all that we do. And we thank you again for the good, good God that you are. And this Sunday, when our numbers are few because of the weather, I pray for that this message still gets out, that this small group gathered in this place this morning makes a global impact, starting right here in this community. Father, I thank you for this building. I thank you for the warmth. Thank you for the safety we, we experienced in getting here this morning despite the snow and ice. And I thank you again for the opportunities that are given to us as a reminder of the open spaces and the pews that, that we are called to invite people into a relationship with you, not just to get them to church, but to get them in a relationship with you. And may this message be carried forward out of this room this Sunday. And may we all be blessed for doing so. Amen.